and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we come to you from the 407th week of quarantine. Yes? By this point, yes, probably. Yes, I think that's right. If not, it feels that way. <laughs> so, we are still trying to be as shut up as possible. Mm-hmm. We hope that you all are staying sane and making money somehow. I don't know how this is possible, but... We that is our hopes for you. We just we just celebrated Easter, so that's where we are in our timeline. Happy Easter! Happy Easter! He is risen! Yay! 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 Uh, how was your week other than that? Um, it was uh, very busy. Actually, we did a lot of work here at home, being that we're stuck at home. Yes, it was a good opportunity to get through some stuff, and I was able to plow through a lot of my childhood uh, books, and it brought up a lot of memories and things. So, that was Not just books. You also had 19 dinosaur soaps. Dinosaur soaps and dinosaur flashcards and dinosaur sticker illustrated books. books. Sticker books. That sticker book I got when I was five or six years old. It's older to me. Yeah, I got <laughs> it on the way back from the Grand Canyon. Oh, wow. Uh the trip that I took when I was in kindergarten. And you can tell probably the age of the book because all the dinosaurs are kind of... Um, the restorations they gave them back then just make them look like big potatoes with legs. Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, detail. There's not. <laughs> and they're because... all sort of a dark gray-green. Right. <laughs> and they kind of... Uh, they're all sort of, sort of lumpish and look as if they spend most of their time singing in a swamp to support their body weight, which we now found out is not the case. But yes, that's it was a great example of old swampy dinosaurs. Swampy dinosaurs. So how was your week? It was okay. Or weekend, rather. My whole, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I got some candy. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. You got some candy. I made chicken and dumplings, and I have more comfort food coming down the pike. Good. Next up, beef stew. Oh, you make a good beef stew. So. Are you going to make mashed potatoes? I do plan on making oh, mashed potatoes. She makes very good mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. Potatoes. So. <laughs> okay. So, this week we watched a movie from 2004 by the name of Secret Window. Secret Window. I saw the window the entire time. Well, because... It was not a secret to me. It was not a secret. It's not a secret to us. No. There are other things in the film that are a secret to mm-hmm. us, unless you've seen other films, and then maybe it's not a secret. Or if you read the book. <laughs> so, we should just give... Well, ahead of time, a spoiler alert that we are going to give away the ending of this movie. Just like every other thing we've recapped, right. that is the well, point of this. But a lot this. depends on this twist in the film. It does. So this movie uh, came out in 2004. It mm-hmm. is based on a short story in the collection from 1990 called Four Past Midnight. We watched another uh, story from that collection earlier. That would be The Langoliers. The other two stories are The Library Policeman and The Sundog. This story is called Secret Window, Secret Garden. Uh-huh. But the movie is just called Secret Window, even though I call it Secret Window, Secret Garden. Well, Secret Garden would be another different story. No. Well, yes, <laughs> just Secret Garden, but yes. Secret Window, Secret Garden is the is the name that I always think about. So... This movie stars Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is a blonde, polarizing figure. Yes, to say uh, the I less polarizing than he was to me two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. <laughs> so yes, I believe that Johnny Depp probably has both a substance abuse problem and a problem putting his hands on people. But I also believe that he was with people who would also put his, her hands on him. It's a bad situation all around. I'm not going to villainize him for right now. What I will say is he's very good in this movie. He is a like very he's, good actor. This is 2004 yeah. before he got... He, he's starting to Chris Walken a little bit. Right. He's starting to be hired to be this... Johnny Depp. ...weird uh-huh. character. Uh, it's the... Tim Burtonizing of Johnny Depp. But well, in this, this is he is playing a person the and he appears part. to be a person. When he stopped being pretty boy Johnny Depp. He's pretty in this, though. He's still pretty. I mean, they schlub him up uh-huh. in his dress. Yeah. 
but his skin is perfect. Even must his hair is perfect. Mm-hmm. His facial hair is perfect. Like he still looks like better than ninety eight percent of the population. <laughs> and I don't pretend like I'm not a big Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not hugely attracted to Johnny Depp, but he looked really good in this movie. I don't know. Maybe this is my favorite Johnny Depp. It's weird. But he is playing a man by the improbable name of Mort Rainey. Now, we do see at one point in the film, when he goes to a store, his among his supplies is a carton of Morton salt. Oh, that's funny. With the Rainey girl turned with towards the, it. Yeah. So, oh, I guess that's where that came from. Oh, that's from. interesting. It's yeah. not as bad as his ex-wife's name, who is Amy Rainey. Amy Rainey. Amy Rainey. But Mort is nobody's name. And it right. certainly is nobody's name who not looks like Johnny Depp. Morton, I guess, would be what you would... <sighs> yes, it comes from Morton. Or but... Mordecai. Or Mordecai. And he, and he played Mordecai. He did. Yes, oh, he did. We've, it's, we, it's, we've mm-hmm. come full circle. We've unraveled it now. Whoops. Uh, the other... People that figure heavily are, as you say, his ex-wife, or his soon-to-be ex-wife, Amy Rainey, played by Maria Bello. The aptly named Maria Bello. She's so beautiful. She's Bello. And her current interest... Alexis Machine. Oh, that's right. Tim Hutton making a return appearance to the Stephen King universe. Only slightly less of a jerk this time. Yeah... He's kind of a prick in this movie, though, for, like, no reason. But that's sort of the deal. We've been talking about that. Pricks mm-hmm. for no reason. Uh, Charles S. Dutton, Rock, mm-hmm. uh, as Ken Karsh, a P.I.? Yeah. Is that what he is? Uh, sort of a private security P.I. fixer type dude. He seems dude. to be very relaxed at his job. And I think that has to do with the fact that he really thinks that there's clues in this film that everyone finds Mort Rainey slightly hysterical. Mm. And I think that the way he keeps interacting uh, with with Mort is telling about how seriously he takes his threat to Mort's life. Right, but he will take his money, so yeah. it's fine. And finally, John Chaturro as John Shooter, sort of. <laughs> I, I can't help but feel that he was slightly miscast. In this oh, part. I don't. Who would you have cast on that part? Somebody then? who sounded vaguely or looked vaguely southern instead of John Turturro. Who? There are Italian people in the South. Name a shooter. You're racist. <laughs> yes, I am. Nobody's racist, name is Shooter Lemuel. He's a figment. Spoiler alert, no. I spoiled it. <laughs> is that what was going on the whole time? The whole time. I totally missed that. Okay, so I spoiled it. Hey, everybody, I spoiled it. He's fake. <laughs> the uh, movie is directed by David Cope, mm. written also by David Cope, who, when you highlight his his name in Wikipedia, the piece of information that comes up is he's an American screenwriter and film director, the ninth most successful of all time. Yeah. What did he do that made so much money? <laughs> Let me look that up because I don't want to misquote him, but the name is very familiar and I think it has to do with superheroes. Jurassic Park. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's like the ninth, and we call say successful, right? Mm-hmm. It's monetary wise. He wrote Spider Man. Mm-hmm. He wrote uh, Jurassic Park and The Lost World Jurassic Park. He wrote that War of the Worlds movie. Mm-hmm. He wrote Indi- Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Durr. And Angels and Demons. Uh, <laughs> Mordecai. <laughs> he didn't write that. He just directed it. That's funny. He's also writing Indiana Jones 5, which, why are we doing that? And The Mummy from 2017. Woof. Yeah, well. We didn't finish that movie, y'all. But we didn't yes, finish and it. I have... I've seen Planet of the Dinosaurs, and I could not sit through uh, The Mummy. Oh, he wrote Death Becomes Her. That movie is great. And he wrote uh, Mission Impossible, the first one. So, yeah, his movies have made a ton of money. So, good job, buddy. So, that is our writer and director for this, which makes sense. This movie is a well-made film. 
It for is... no, if, if nothing else, uh-huh. if you don't like anything else about it, the music is Philip Glass. Uh-huh. You, that Yes, please, more of that. And it is written and directed well. And it's very well acted as well. And it is well acted, yes. I don't, I don't have a problem with this movie. I think I like this movie. <laughs> I think I, I, think I like the, this movie. The problem that I'm having is that this movie, the device in this film, mm-hmm. is so familiar at this point. It's been so overused. It's hard because, okay, so uh-huh. here's my, my big, the big um, parallel that I'll draw, mm-hmm. which is the Fight Club. Right. So this movie came out in 2004. Fight Club, was, the movie was released in 1999. So this is a device that movie-going audiences will be familiar with at the time that this movie is released. Fight Club was written in 1996. The story, This story was written in 1990. Right. So we've got a little bit of a Simpsons ruined it situation where you see something that may have been inspired by before you see the original thing, through no fault of anybody, right? Uh, and then you're like, oh, this has been done before. I mean, it's it, it was a doppelganger or a, figure, a figment of my imagination has, I'm sure, gone back farther than Fight, Fight Club, but that is the big one in current pop culture that I could think of. There's a number of films that... Um that I've seen it have the same sort of plot, and it always disappoints me when it turns out that way. Did you know going in that that was the thing? Uh, no, I didn't. I had you seen this movie I before? I had seen this movie years and years ago because Mirabella's in it. Oh, okay. And um, <laughs> Priorities. Yes, it's important to have your priorities in the right place. And uh, I watched the film, I admired it, and I think it might have taken me by surprise then. Mm. I don't... Since then, I've seen a, two dozen movies with the same plot, right. some of which are terribly disappointing. I remember when I was younger, there was a movie called The Haunted Strangler. Oh, hey. Hey, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we even get started on this, we are about to spoil the shit out of some movies. We already did. Oh, so, already did. Like oh, no. other this movies. Is, this is the reason why I'm not going to mention <laughs> okay. the more recent ones. Okay. There was one that um, I won't mention the title to. That really disappointed me because it worked up to something, and then in the end, turns out, oh, it's all in your head. Right. There um, was a there was a movie that was hailed, a horror movie that was hailed recently, and I started watching it with you. And yeah. about five minutes in, I left because I was like, I think I know something. And you did. And I did. Right. Um, but I'm not, I don't want to spoil that either because people seem to like that movie. If you don't just automatically upon starting it know what right. they're trying to do to you. But so, yeah. 1958, there's a movie called The Haunted Strangler. It's a sort of a gaslight Victorian drama about uh, Boris Karloff. He's an elderly man who is writing about uh, the Haymarket Strangler, I think it's called, this mm-hmm. uh, man who committed all these murders, and he's a crime writer, and his wife presses him not to investigate too deeply, and then he discovers that he is the Haymarket Strangler, mm. and he's blocked it out of his head. Was that also the thing in uh, the number 23? Right, exactly, which okay. was an uncredited remake of that film. Oh, interesting. Okay, I mean, that's they, right. They go in a completely different direction, but uh, Jim the... Carrey is not scary. Well. Um, but the thing is, that was the first time I remember seeing this device like, oh, wait, it's him. And then it becomes, in yeah. that film, it goes in a different direction. It becomes a chase where the other supporting characters are trying to bring him in before he right. commits another crime. But this is sort of a thing this that's gone is... back all the way to, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? right? I mean, you well, don't know the in original, that story. In the story, you don't know. You're reading two parallel I mean, stories. And we then read a thing a hundred years on, and we right. already know the twists when we pick it up. Yeah. But And that's sad the because time, the story is very carefully crafted so that you don't know they're the oh, same Oh, that's person. unfortunate. And so when you're reading it, if you can put that out of your head, going, oh, what, what do you think... At one point, because Jekyll comes to the back entrance to Hyde's house, and then he's writing checks, or there's checks written to Hyde in Jekyll's hand. Through the story, you think that Hyde is blackmailing Jekyll. Oh, okay. And Which kind of is what's happening. You find out it's the, the same person. Right. And it, it, I remember reading that going, God, this is such a pity that everyone knows this. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like uh, Murders in the Room Org. It's an orangutan. And... I didn't know that, y'all. Right. He just really spoiled okay. it for me right now. I'm never reading that, so it's fine. It's a great It's <laughs> the first actual kind of detective fiction, the way that we know of nowadays. Right. Yes. No, We're I know that he... a consulting detective and his assistant. And, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, once that gets given away, it's such a weird ending that 
you can't come back to it yeah, without like acknowledging. Yeah. Where's the orangutan? Anyhow. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I just I felt bad because I saw it coming this time, and I knew exactly mm-hmm. what they were doing, and everyone's doing their utmost. Yeah. Everyone's acting their heart out, but it does have what's now a very tired device, and I feel bad because I don't think the filmmakers anticipated how overused this device is going to be. Well, no, and the fact that we're watching it, once again, 16 mm-hmm. years after it was made, right. so how many more things have happened in the meantime? Well, I'm not going to mention those because there's still films that want to, you know... Right, 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 right. that's why, yes, that. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> yeah, I don't need to out 40, 40 films right now right. and ruin them for our yeah, audience. Exactly. That's not necessary. Oh, there's one in mind I really want to, but I'm not going to. Oh, tell me what it is. It, I'll, I'll cut it out. It's a film with Emily Browning. Oh, yes. Which I really liked up until the end. Yeah. No, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. not in her head. <laughs> um, so I'll cut that out. And also the one with John Cusack. Identity, was it? Yeah, but that's like not even that's I mean, different. That's different, but it also winds up there's this weird supernatural overbearing presence and all these weird coincidences and then you think, Oh, it's gonna be really creepy and then it just turns out, oh, somebody's daydreaming this basically. Not quite. Mm. Y'all, it's all Alice in Wonderland. Okay, let's get into the plot though. Because right. we're talking sort of nebulously about and not specifically. And not so a let's lot happens in the story, too, so it's not... No, a, it isn't. The, the, mm-hmm. the plot is pretty... Light. Yeah, and straightforward, which is fine. That's right. That's good. That's what you want to... That's how, that's how you know that the movie won't be overwhelmed. It's not, it is based on a novella, so mm-hmm. there's not too much that we have to put right. in this, right? So Mort uh, catches Amy... Having an affair with their friend, apparently Ted. I didn't. He didn't seem that friendly, but that's fine. Uh, and and he goes into their hotel room, apparently with a gun, but that's unclear. And he yells at them. We right. keep seeing flashbacks to him just like freaking out at them. And then, um, and then we know that six months later, he has um, basically gone into hiding at a cabin up in Tashmore Lake in up, upstate New York. He's depressed. He's suffering from writer's block. He's wearing his wife's robe, and uh, he's got a dog. He's smoking. His dog's name is Chico. It's an Australian cattle dog. I looked it up. The dog is actually very good. The dog is like a super good actor. Uh, And so he is up there. Amy's back at the house. Uh, there are divorce papers that have been drawn up, but he has not signed. That is where we sort of enter the current story. Uh, he is awoken one day from a nap on the couch. A very uncomfortable... He keeps sleeping on this couch, and the couch looks wicked uncomfortable. And I wish he would buy a better couch. Or she should buy a new robe. No, it's his wife's, and it still smells like her. Oh, I bet. You added that to the story. I did, but I bet it's true. More depth from Henry Armstrong. So he uh, is awoken by a, a knock on the door, knock on the door, knock on the door. Now, once again, he's in the middle of nowhere, basically. Uh-huh. And so he gets up and he answers the door, and outside the door is John Turturro in a big hat. And he, he looks says, like he should be on a box of oatmeal. He does. He he is dressed a bit Amish. Uh, and he says in a story. not great accent. <laughs> I love John Turturro. This is not about him. It's a little bit about him. A not great accent uh, saying, you stole my story. You stole my story and you fucked up the ending. And so he leaves this story on the stoop and leaves. And he says he'll be back. And uh, while his maid is in to clean the, the cabin because, of course, he lives alone in a cabin in the woods. Why wouldn't he have a maid come in once a week? <laughs> Let's be real. If I lived alone in a cabin in the woods and I could afford it, I would also have a maid come in once a week, so I'm shading him for no damn reason. Nope, uh, and he compares... You while you do it. He compares this um, story to his story, and it is very close. Uh, and the story that he uh, has written is called Secret Window, Secret Garden. Uh, John Shooter's short story is called Sewing Season. Mm-hmm. So, and there are passages that are identical, um, a cute angle, <laughs> the cute angle where the house uh, meets is where the garden is. 
And we see a flashback to where Maria Bello's character, wearing the robe, that's how I know that it's her robe, uh, pushes a, like a dresser out of the way and finds this secret window that's in a weird, it's a weird small window in the middle of the wall. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, this is a secret window and it looks right out on where I'm going to put my garden. And this is the thing that he recalls that sort of pushes him to write the story. Uh, and when Shooter comes back, he says, well, when was, when did you write this? And he's like, ha, I published it in Ellery Queen magazine, 1995, two years before. I used to have a subscription. You say that this was published. Now, also, these dates have been changed from the book. They would have had to be because the book was written in 1990. But it's, it's, Lily Queen was still being published then. I think it's still being published now. It was still being published. Well, Um, maybe not now, but. uh, I remember having a subscription to that and also to Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine. Yeah. And what's really funny is that Timothy Hutton. Yeah is the son of Jim Hutton, yeah. who played Ellery Queen on television. Uh, that's funny. Back when I was a kid. That's awesome. Uh, so I wonder if that was a tip of the hat there. So he says, you know, get the magazine and we'll be done with this, but you'll never be able to produce the magazine. So I immediately think, talk to your agent or your, your editor. Right. They'll have a copy of everything you've ever published. Right, like right. And you, you think that, you, that would be the simple answer and that's one of the tip-offs that something's wrong because he just goes, he has such a... A slow, weird route to getting the proof that he... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he thinks, I'm going to go down and um, th- th- there's got to be a copy at the house. Right. So I'll go down to the house and I will find, grab a copy and I'll bring it back up. I literally was like, have your agent FedEx it to you or right. whatever. Um, maybe I should be a PI. We'll get to it. You uh, should be. That night, though... Content warning, animal death. Yes. His by dog is killed right? by a screwdriver. Yes. It sucks. And there's a note with Shooter saying that you have three days to provide proof. He more, uh, reports the incident to the sheriff who could not possibly... Like, it's weird. The, these, inc- these things are weird because he's like, animal killing an animal isn't even against the law. I'm like... What the fuck are you talking about? Well, of course if killing animals is against the law, uh, then uh, Mort has to make the case that the animal is his property. So yeah, it's he's like, what about destruction of property? What right. about yeah? There are, but also I'm pretty sure murdering a dog, especially a pet dog with a screwdriver, is in fact a crime in the state of New York. Well, it's animal cruelty, yeah. and I don't know if the rules, what the rules were back then. It might have changed and gotten better. Over yeah, time. no, it, it in New York. It's definitely been illegal since at least 2004. I'm sorry. Like that, that was wild to me. I was like, what is happening right well, now? The, part of what also gives you the impression that he's an unreliable narrator and you're with him during this story yeah. is that everyone's reactions seem to be a little bit off and strange. Yes, that's People true. People do strange things for no particular reason. That's true. The sheriff in this town is grossly incompetent. Seems to be, but then probably is at the very final scene of the film... <laughs> seems to present completely differently yes. as if we've been watching a dopey version of this it's show. It's like that, is it the black and white episode of the X-Files where you see through each of right. their eyes and the, like, in one, it's and, like, I think it's Luke Wilson as the right. sheriff and he's handsome and whatever and, and together in Scully's memory and fucking Duchovny is like, this dude's the yokel from... <laughs> Well, I think that th- there's an element of that that you can make the argument because when we see the sheriff near the end of the film, he seems to be very kind of on the case. Yeah. And very... Uh, well, he's like, something's fucking wrong. Right. <laughs> but the sheriff we get before that is just uh, Andy Taylor. No, is Andy Taylor and Gomer Pyle mixed together. Is Andy Taylor the sheriff from mm-hmm. that show? That show. Is the Andy Griffith show? Yeah. He was called Andy Taylor in the mm-hmm. Andy Griffith show? Yes, because the actor's Andy Griffith. I understand that. And the... That's weird. What was Mary, Mary Tyler Moore's name in the Mary Tyler Moore show? It was Mary Tyler Moore. It was Mary something. Oh, my God. I didn't know and that Dick that Van was... Dyke the... wasn't Dick Van Dyke in the Dick Van Dyke oh, show. Oh, I'm so mad. What about Bob Newhart? He, he, he was Bob, but he wasn't Newhart. I oh, my think. God. 
Anyhow, it was a thing back in the day. We we were broken people, and we just accepted this. That doesn't make any sense. This is really gonna mess with my head. Okay, I need to I need to find a way to compartmentalize. I guess like my whole world is just come apart. All right, so Mort drives down to Amy's house, getting mm-hmm. the magazine to get the magazine. But he leaves because Ted and Amy are there. And then he goes and visits Ken, and that is the Rock, or not the Rock, Rock. rock. <laughs> That's Charles S. Dunn, a large black man who definitely makes you feel like you're secure if he is protecting you. Uh, And he stakes out the cabin, says nobody's around. He says he's going to go talk to Tom Greenleaf because uh, Mort says that he drove by while he was talking to Shooter, so he would have seen him. And after the house is clear, like an hour later... The shooter shows up again, and he says, you have to fix the ending because shooter's version, he kills his wife and buries her in the garden. Yeah, because it also covers an uh, adulterous wife. It's, and, all, it's exactly the same and, up until the end. Right. And in shooter's version, the guy comes to some sort of peace with himself about killing his wife and is going to eventually forget it. Yes. Kills his wife, buries her in the garden, and then eats the corn that is um, growing, growing from her. From her decomposing corpse. is a callback. It's not a callback because it wasn't a thing in 1990, but um, Last Supper, there's a 1995 satire film uh, starring Courtney B. Vance is the one I can remember. Cameron Diaz, Ron Eldred, Annabeth Gish, Courtney B. Vance, Bill Paxton, Ron Perlman, like a bunch of people, uh-huh. Charles Durning, about a bunch of liberal people uh-huh. who keep having dinner parties and these conservative people show up and they end up killing them and mm-hmm. burying them and then they eat the tomatoes that are grown out of their bodies. Uh, yeah, it's actually like a really good, like it's an entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, satire. I'm going to, it's leans heavily into satire. And if you don't know if it's satire, then you won't like it. There mm-hmm. are a lot of negative reviews about people by people who don't understand what satire is. Uh, so that is how he, he says, you're going to put my name on it. You're going to get it published with the correct ending. Which I don't know how he expects Mort to be able to do that, but he does. Um, then we find out that we get a call from Amy because their house has burned down. And now he's never going to be able to get this manuscript. Uh, but Charles Dutton says, I thought about get, reaching out to your agent. Uh-huh. They're sending it, so it'll be here tomorrow. And I'm like, see, that's what I thought. Uh, and he says, we're going to meet Tom Greenleaf at the diner tomorrow morning. Uh, because he changed his, he said, I saw you, and then he's like, oh, I, I, I didn't see you, I didn't see anything. And so he thinks he's being um, intimidated by John Shooter, which he is, but he isn't. And first, Moore wakes up late mm-hmm. and th- has missed the meeting with Greenleaf and can't find Tom or, what's his name, Ken? Ken. Yeah. And he uh, goes to the diner, asks around. They're like, I haven't seen anybody. Don't recognize anyone. I'm like, y'all are a small-ass town. You know if Charles S. Dutton was here this morning. What well, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> the impression is I, I don't see any other black people in this town. So yeah. if a if a 230-pound black man shows up in your neighborhood, you're, you're going to notice this town. Uh, I only really see even about if five you don't, people even in the if town you're not too. racist at all, you'd uh, just be like, oh, no, no, yeah, right. I don't recognize see that dude. That guy. And, and uh, <laughs> I think um, Johnny Depp's uh, version is that he looks like a New York guy. And so there's a kind of a hint there about what he means when he says that. But, um, but yeah, it's just no one sees him, no one notices him. The people that we see repeatedly in the town don't seem to have a clue about anything. But again, is this his version of events, or is it what's actually happening? Right. And then we have a scene where Ted, Tim Hutton's character, has uh, come up. We, he runs into Mort at the gas station, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get Mort to sign these divorce papers. 
And at this point, <laughs> Mordnow believes that Shooter is working for Ted because right. he finds out that Ted was born in Shooter's Bay. Right. Not Mississippi. Uh, South Carolina, maybe? Somewhere down south. Tennessee, maybe. Tennessee, I think. So he's in Shooter's Bay. Uh, what was the other... There are a couple of other... Well, it was basically the detective's theory that uh, in order to get Mort to sign the papers, uh, the new husband or the would-be husband yeah. has hired someone to intimidate him into signing the papers. However, the person is a method actor, so to speak. And oh, so he's just gone going his own way. And so that's why when uh, Ted confronts... Uh, excuse me, when Mort confronts new guy... They get into this sort of scuffle at the gas station. Yeah. Um, and then Shooter, it's his, what happened? How does Mort find the truck? How does he get out there? What is the, does he get a letter or like a note or does uh, he get a call? I believe I Shooter leaves him a note. Okay. And then tells him to run down to this area where he finds the bodies. Yes. So he finds um, what I pro- was probably Tom Greenleaf's. I love the name Greenleaf's truck. And Ken and Tom are both dead inside of it, and there's a hatchet. And so he is very smart. He's, a shooter shows up and says that they had interfered with his business, and he warns him that you, I have in, like, there's your hair in there. Right. There's your, like, they will... Tie this to you, <laughs> like, and not not by more ways than you could even think of. Like, you're not gonna be able to clean it out. Like, you've got to uh, deal with this, it. dispose of it. Yeah, and so Mort agrees to meet uh, Shooter at the cabin to show him the magazine that was that's coming, and then he pushes Greenleaf's truck off this cliff into uh, like a flooded quarry. It looks like a like. quarry. Yeah. yeah, really pretty water. Uh, he almost gets stuck. His watch gets caught on the little gear shifty, right. and he almost goes off with it. Uh, and so the watch is still inside the truck cab. So now, even regardless of what shooter may or may not have left, now his, yeah. Yeah. his watch is in there. Uh, we we he gets back, and the magazine's been delivered. And so he opens it up, he says the packet's already been opened, and the story has been cut out of the magazine. Although the thing wasn't opened, but he thinks that somebody had opened it, because where the story would be, there is a neat slice. Uh-huh. And it's tipped red, which was really odd. I was like, that's not how paper works. Like, you have to color the edges. It's yeah. not just colored all the way through and they put white on the end. They When the edges are colored... Just the edges are colored, right? Like <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting. Unless it was the red from the uh, glue used for the spine of the book. Maybe, but that would be sometimes. really, it'd be really tight because right. it looked like pages. But yeah, that was a little bit weird. And he sees Shooter's hat and he puts it on, and then he's talking to himself as himself. As not himself, as a like an omnipotent person in his head that's like, you are losing it. <laughs> and he's like, I am not. And then it turns out that he realizes that Shooter is him and he is Shooter. But we're all, he killed his own dog. He killed Ken. He killed Greenleaf. He burned his house down. That's <laughs> really not good. Uh, and like... He's created this character to do the things that he can't do with his with his mind. Right. He can't overcome his uh, his own nature to kill people, so he invents uh, another identity. Yes. That can do the job for him. Yes. So then Amy shows up. Why is she coming out here? Doesn't seem safe, y'all. Well, she's trying. She doesn't to get have a home now. Her house did burn down. To sign the papers. Oh, that's right. And she is aware of the fact that her husband or her would-be husband came over and did a really poor job of trying to convince him. Yeah. And then things go wrong. Yeah. So she shows up and sees the word shooter 
carved repeatedly on the walls and furniture, but when you like close the door or move uh, the thing, it says shoot her. her. Uh, we see a flashback where Mort had bought the uh, hat at a flea market. And she, they chase each other around the cabin. And he stabs her in the ankle. Ted shows up looking for Amy and is ambushed by Mort, who smashes his face with a shovel. Very satisfying, not going to lie. And then Amy watches helplessly as Mort beheads him with the shovel. Woof, woof. That's violent. It could happen. <laughs> and then, as he recites the ending of the story that uh, Shooter had written... He also kills Amy, which is he grabs an ear of corn from the steaming bowl and real, knew that her her death would soon be a memory even or a mystery. mystery even mm-hmm. to him. Slowly Mort recovers from writing writer's block, his mood improves, and the sheriff shows up and is like, Um, I'm pretty sure you killed like a whole shitload of people and we will catch you. But uh in the meantime you can get your groceries at a different town because you are creeping everyone out and Mort dismisses the threat he's like okay whatever and then he's writing and that's how the story ends we go in we look over we pan over to the little window and we pan out of the window into the garden where all the corn is growing now I did see originally the version that it mentions in Wikipedia where you see the bodies underground as yeah well. but you don't see them you, here. See you them just here. go into the dirt and then that is the yeah. dark and he's eating the corn. Corn. So what did you think? Uh, like I said, I mm-hmm. think on its own, without, you know, all of yeah. culture ruining it, I think it's good. Uh, I, I do think that the accent that John Chichero is putting on is... Uh, well, that's why I said miscast. Odd. I just sort of felt, what is he doing? But also, like... Johnny Depp's not Southern. Like, his character isn't Southern. And this is an accent that he is putting on. Uh-huh. So it wouldn't be very good. But when he does the accent, it's actually better than what John Turturro is doing. It's very odd. Well, I think that what we're looking at is that he's creating the story from the fragments of real life, of things around him. Like, uh, the fact that Timothy Hutton's Teddy is a Southerner. Yeah. And so... He's putting together, you could make the excuse that he's putting together an exaggerated southern accent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for this character, because to him, Ted is always the villain. Yeah, maybe. And Ted is such a, he's not evil, he's just a jerk just for a no particular reason. He's, there's a scene at the insurance company after the fire right. that Ted is sitting there with Amy and Mort. Why, Ted? You have not paid a diamond insurance. Right. It doesn't matter what your of yours was in this house because it is not insured. You do not need to be here for right. this. And he just is like sticking his nose in, looking at things, wanting to I'm like, mm-mm. And I don't know why they let him. Again, it's <laughs> being told by a very unreliable narrator. So I, I feel like there's parts of that in retrospect since we see later on uh Sheriff Newsom actually looking the part of somebody who's in charge of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you think, oh, maybe the other stuff where Sheriff Newsom's just kind of a dope. There's also a girl in town who works at the post office. Yeah. Who seems to be trying to get Mort's attention at the beginning of the film, and when you see the actual reaction at the end of the film... She's, like, deeply creeped out. (laughs) creeped out and trying to escape from him. So um, I think it's kind of unreliable, everything that we've seen up until this point. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And yeah, so that does remind me of that that uh, X-Files episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I think everybody did a good job. Right. Well written, like I said, well directed. Uh, just a lot of things have also done this. Right. <laughs> so, and sadly, a lot of what they've done has been repeated, not just in terms of the big twist but also uh, some of the dramatic uh, highlights have been repeated and sort of diluted since this movie came out. I think the gag of having him look in the mirror and see the back of his own head was yeah. actually really good. Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, 
And there are parts, there was a kind of Hitchcockian moment when his wristband becomes stuck to the gear shift in the truck. One of those sort of moments where you're suddenly worrying if he's going to get killed, even though he, well, by this point, you don't know that he's the killer. But there's a lot of stuff like that that make the movie intriguing to watch. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I just felt bad because I knew every step of the way by this point what was going to happen next. Yeah, yeah. No, and that is, I mean, that's not the movie's fault. Like, right. I, I have to try and watch it generously, I guess, uh-huh. is the word that I want to, like, I want to give it leeway because it was 2004. Well, I remember They couldn't have known. It was written in, like I said, 1990. You and our former roommate watched Psycho. And I was mm-hmm. desperately asking both of you, don't read anything about this movie, because if you don't know this big twist that happens 20 minutes into the film... Oh, that okay, that the twist. The character I'm like, dies 20 yeah. minutes into it, and you're like, what What the hell's... What, what? What's going to happen now, yeah. Right. And so I, uh, that's why I was really anxious, and it wasn't so much that you knew Norman Bates, you knew was, you know, the relationship he has with his mom, obviously. But that other twist is a big surprise, and especially for audiences then who are, well, where, who's the star of the movie now? What's going to happen next? Right, right, yes. And, yeah. b- but then that gets ruined by Scream. Right, and half you a dozen know. other movies since then, too, that yeah. kill, you know, we have a major star that dies the first 20 minutes of the film, and then it becomes somebody else. So, yeah, it does become ruined. Still, sometimes when they kill a main character in the middle of the movie, I do get shocked. Right. I'm gonna. I'm not well, gonna say the one that comes to mind because I don't want to spoil it for people. But there was one in the last two years where I was like, well, "Holy fuck!" And you can cut this out if you want to. But Deep Blue Sea. Oh Simon yes. Jackson getting eaten by that shark was something yeah. I did not see coming at all. Like what? What? Wait, what? And still now, when I'm watching uh-huh. it, he's in the middle of the speech that is supposed to get us on board, and then right. chop. And still now, I've seen that movie right. like maybe. 12 times. Right. I like that movie a lot. Um, it scares the shit out of me every time. <laughs> well, that movie plays with a lot of expectations because the first time that you see... You're like, oh, cool, Jay, it's not me. <laughs> well, but the first time you see the characters introduced, you see uh, what's supposed to be a very wealthy man and his private secretary. Yeah. And it's Ronnie Cox, an actor who you recognize, you'll recognize him from Deliverance. So he's a major actor, and you see Samuel Jackson, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, Samuel Jackson's the assistant, and then, oh, no, it's the other oh, way no, around. Oh, no, it's the other way around, yeah. And they, so they, he enjoyed flipping your expectations yeah. a lot in that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that scene where, wait, what? You just got rid of the biggest star? Yeah. <laughs> An hour into the film. And also, you know, there are two black men in this movie. Right. One of them is not making it out. <laughs> and no one's putting their money on the parrot wielding right. LL Cool J. You should have bet on LL Cool J. Don't call it come back. <laughs> that was stupid. Um, yeah, I enjoy There's also some neat tricks in the film. I've discovered that that opening scene where... Mort surprises Amy and Ted in bed together that that was a... It felt like, first of all, it felt like a callback to Shawshank. Right. It could have been. Because, again, we see that he repeats the same themes and Mm -hmm. ideas over and again, Mm -hmm, over mm -hmm. and over again. But apparently this scene was uh, rigged so that to get the proper reaction out of Maria Bello and Timothy Hutton... When uh, Johnny Depp burst through the door, there were strobe lights rigged in the room and loudspeakers. Oh, Jesus. That they didn't know about. So when he came into the room, there was just this loud cacophony of like, yeah. Blasting lights and everything. That's why it's always done with no sound because you right. never see any sound, like any native sound. I'll right. say that. There is sound to it, but it is Philip Glass. A, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a supplied sound. It is not what he's yelling But I thought that was a really for. good idea because they do look genuinely freaked out. Yeah. And, and, uh... And, yeah, but it is a little bit rough to watch this with with his accusations. Yeah. No, like, I understand. I mean, it's not nearly as bad as having to watch uh, Apt People. No. Where there is just a sour taste in your mouth the entire time you're watching this movie and you're looking for signs yeah. that this person is exhibiting the behavior that they've been accused of. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that the film itself succeeds on its own. But, again, it's just it's going to be harder now, and that's a pity. That is also a testament to the success of someone like Stephen King. Yeah. That it's going to be, uh, there's another trip to the well for another filmmaker who's just going to be lazier and borrow 
a lot of these kind of uh, tropes. There was some neat stuff. There was a neat tribute to God. Speaking of troubled directors, Roman Polanski. Uh, there's a moment in the film where uh, Morton sees a crack running up the wall of his cabin and opening up. And that's a tr- that's a, a tip of the hat to Roman Polanski's film Repulsion. Yeah. Where, um, uh, oh, what is her name? Catherine Deneuve is going slowly insane in her uh, apartment building, and she starts seeing a phantom crack that opens up the wall and eventually just sort of separates like an earthquake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, there was a lot of neat stuff like that in the film. And I caught that one right away. It's like, oh, that, that's, that's a, now I know what's going on, because yeah. that was kind of what was going on there, too. But yeah, overall, it was a very good film. It was very successful. I liked everyone in it, but yeah. Yeah. Time was not kind to it. All right. So next up, mm-hmm. Riding the Bullet, which I didn't even know was a movie. I it's didn't two, know anything about that. It's from 2004. We found, I found it on a free channel called Tubi. Tubi. Or not so Tubi. if you want to watch it, T-U-B-I, Tubi, it's on there. So we're that's where we're going to watch it. We can get it on a Roku channel. I'm sure there's going to be obnoxious uh, ads, but we're doing what we have to do. Well, there do. were obnoxious ads on this one. On this one, too. Where did yeah. we see it again? Uh, Shutter. Okay, we did. And there were the same ads. No, we watched this one on Crackle, but it's also uh. on Shutter. Shutter. And, yeah, it's the same ad over and over again because... A lot of places are pulling their ads because they're for shit you can't get right now because right. we're in the middle of a pandemic, y'all. It's um, what's really odd, though, is that as many times they advertise that same film over and over and over again, I, for the life of me, can't remember the name of it. I thought I would never forget that Which film. Which film? The film they kept advertising during... I don't remember one for a movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We saw it what? about eight times last night. What was it about? It was about two young women and there's a train involved somehow. And it received lots of awards, so I don't know what that film is, but uh, yeah. Oh, I don't think it's a film. I think it's a show. I think it's a Netflix show. Uh, it doesn't matter. Y'all, it doesn't matter. So, in the meantime, watch Riding the Bullet with us. Riding that the is bullet. your homework. But mm-hmm. in addition, do you have right. any recommendations, please? Yes, yeah, stay home and don't go outside. That's... Yes, and while you're there, you should... Um, you know, I don't have a recommendation this week. Do you have a book? I do. <laughs> Come on, yes, people need things called to do. Ceiling Night, a Psychomantium. There you go. It's my favorite ghost story book. It's not what I intended, but here we are. Let's <laughs> right. do this. Buy Lemuel's book and read right. it. You can sit there and read it, and it, it's lovely. It's absolutely lovely. What's a psychomantium? A psychomantium is a Victorian device for seeing ghosts, and it's very creepy because what it was is uh, a kind of a device that has a mirror, so you can see behind you where the ghost is, which is never where you want to see a ghost, behind you. Um, but that was since the stories are about a person who collects ghost stories, uh, that was the, the I don't, although there's not a segmentium in the stories, it's about a person who collects these things. And so it's His fun. name's Cabal, and sometimes I have to make Lemuel not channel him. Uh, it's, it's, yes, you've never heard it because she effectively edits him out. I do. But, uh, but yes, they're a lot of fun, and they're not particularly long. You can read a couple before going to bed at night, or they're perfect for reading on a train. Um, there you go. I remember... Ian Fleming saying that when he was asked if James Bond was literature, he said uh, his apostle was intended for a heterosexual man waiting for airplanes and trains. Um, I will not put any restrictions on the uh, choices of people. So I'm not allowed to read his books? Is that what you're talking about? Well, he was obviously with characters, Fleming was, with characters named Pussy Galore. Yeah, that's fine. It was aimed towards, he thought, men who were, he didn't see that women, he had an audience in women. Plus, but rest in peace, pussy follower. Yes, Honor Blackman sadly has left us. So is uh, a couple of other actors from the old Hammer School are gone now. Well. That that passed away, in one case, from uh, COVID-19. No, I hate We've lost it. a few. We lost a great martial artist. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them actually now. So it's several it's musicians. Sad. The jazz scene got decimated oh, a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah. So do you have a recommendation? I am still on a Merritt Weaver binge. Okay. Mm, so I watched all of Nurse Jackie. Unbelievable. 
Oh, and you watched I... Love Unbelievable. I didn't know that happened. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking of Godless, which yes. is what you told me this morning. So I have watched All of Unbelievable, a Netflix series from this year. Or, yeah, I think it came out at the beginning of the year, but time is a flat circle, y'all. So it might have been the end of last year. And then I just finished all seven seasons of Nurse Jackie. Worth it. Enjoyed it. Cried a lot at the end. Next, I'm going to watch Godless. I haven't started yet. <laughs> I think maybe that's why I made the connection. Unbelievable and Godless sound yeah. the same to a religious person. So, so I've gone from a present-day true crime miniseries to a early 2000s, eh, mid-2000s, 2008 is when it started, something like that, dramedy, medical dramedy. And next, I'm going to watch a Western series. With English actors in it. Mi- a Mideast, or, or I'm sorry, that's what I'm looking for, a miniseries, uh-huh. a Western miniseries about badass ladies. Then I'm going to start the new HBO show that premiered yesterday called Run, and I'm looking forward to that. It's all Merritt Weaver all the time. I think I might be in love with her. Well, everyone needs a hobby. So that's my life right now. But I do recommend Nurse Jackie. If you can, it it was light enough that it was something that I could watch without getting super bummed out. Uh-huh. If you have drug addiction in your life, then maybe it's not a great quarantine time situation. So you choose wisely. All right. I think that's it. Is that it? That's it. Riding the bullet next week, y'all. Riding I don't bullet. even know I'm what sorry, it is. I'm going to do my John Turturro accent. You stole my story. <laughs> That's very nice. Messed up the ending. You can email us. Email us. If you know where Kingdom Hospital is, <laughs> and can, we can it's watch. Twenty Fourth Street, right? For us to watch. Tell us because I don't know where it is, and I don't want to spend thirty dollars on it. But we might have to because it's coming to. up very quick. Because we're committed to you. Uh. But I might not even, I mean, even if I do that, is that Amazon going to gonna deliver it to me? That's that's the question it's whether not or not we'll get it. It's not an essential know. item. Oh, we don't know. So help us. Stephen King is not essential. Email us at, at latecomerspod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. At latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at latecomerspod on Twitter. Or you can find us on Facebook. You can just type latecomerspodcast in the search bar. We're in there. I remind you, cover your face, take your medicine, stay inside, and we remind you, better late than never, I hate you.